now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest today is Suki. Suki had a near-death experience where she encountered a relative, and now we're going to talk about it. Suki, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Well, first, I want to say I love your sunglasses. <laughs> Kurt Cobain had a pair like this. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and second, my audience loves to talk about NDEs. So if you don't mind, can we start on the day yours happened? Absolutely. Um, it was in, uh, let's see, August 14th, 2014. Um, I, there was something that led up to the NDE and it was an accident actually. Um, I had started therapy and my therapist wanted to touch on five missing years of my life as a child and something just clicked in me. I said, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) So, um, at the time I was in active addiction, uh, from a car accident so I called somebody and I asked them what they had and um, I kind of had a plan that day. I was going to go stop and pick those pills up and um, I was then going to drive around the Beltway. Now, mind you, I'm in Maryland at the time. So if anyone's familiar with Maryland, I was trying to go around the Beltway um, from Ellicott City out to Bethesda to go see my friend's mother in the hospital. Um. I remember driving and the last thing I coherently remember saying to myself was I was weaving all over the road. And I remember distinctly saying, I can't believe no one's calling the police on me. That was my last, uh, those are the last words that I remember saying. And then next thing I know, it's dark out. Because I had left Ellicott City at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So it would have only taken me till about 2 o'clock to get to Bethesda. So I remember it was dark out. And I kept repeating over and over. And I felt very panicked. I just kept saying over and over, I have to get home. And I was saying it out loud. I have to get home. I have to get home. I have to get home. And I grabbed onto the guardrail or what appeared to be a guardrail, and I went to step over it. And that's when a hand came out from behind me um, on my right side, and a hand gently grabbed my wrist and said, no, you need to come back to this side of the fence. Now, I thought fence was a really weird word. Like, I didn't understand that word that was used so I turn I I went to turn to see who it was that had grabbed my wrist and all I saw was a plaid shirt it was like the sleeve of a plaid shirt and all of a sudden my mind went to a picture uh from when I was a little girl and uh in that picture my grandfather was wearing a plaid shirt and I didn't obviously get what was going on at the time and I tried to turn further and the person would not allow me to turn any further. But as I did turn, I saw my car 
and I saw myself in the car. I saw my body in the car. And I just, all of a sudden, that's what I saw. And then the next thing I remember was a medic above me asking me a question. And I don't recall what the question was. I don't recall whether I answered him. All I remember is seeing somebody above me asking me, like, if I knew what my name was or something like that. And then the next thing I remember uh, is waking up in the hospital. Now, I realized it was dark out and it should have only taken me an hour. And at this point, it's now about 10 o'clock at night. And I woke up, I remember waking up briefly in my hospital bed. And because I was uh, an addict at the time, like the good addict that I was, I said, what did you give me for pain? And I heard the word morphine and I said, okay. And then I was back out again. Well, after that, um, the next thing I know, I was completely awake and I was lucid and I wasn't high. I know they didn't Narcan me. Um, but I was immediately sober and I've spoken with other people who've had NDEs and past, you know, had them during, uh, either an overdose or, uh, an alcohol thing. And, um, they've all pretty much said the same thing, but I just, I was in shock because the next morning I, I had to call my boyfriend that night, um, tell him that I had just literally the car that he purchased maybe a month prior was now totaled. And, uh, uh, um, and that's really all I remember until the following morning, I remember driving home and I was so exhausted. I just, when we got to the house, I passed out and I woke up the next day and all of a sudden I remembered what had happened. And I said, oh, my God, did I hurt anybody? So I, I became panicked. And I said, oh, my God, what if there's a warrant out for my arrest? Like, I don't know. I don't even know what I did. I don't know what happened. So I had to call Virginia uh, Police Department and ask them if there was a warrant out for any county in Virginia for me. And they said no. I said, okay. So then I got even more paranoid because I live in Maryland. And I thought, well, maybe the Maryland police might be looking for me. I don't know. So I called them and they said, no, we don't have a warrant out for anybody by that name. So I just, I began thinking and I'm like, there were so many small miracles that occurred that night. Um, and it's when you realize those mirrors when like you truly see them it's like I was it's like an epiphany moment it's um aha moment really well I also found out that they did not do a drug screen on me 
I ate a lot of pills that night. Had no intention on overdosing. It was, I just didn't want to face what it was that my therapist wanted me to do. So that all in all is my NDE. But anybody who has these always asks one question. What do you think that question is? Well, well, I ask a lot of questions, but probably they asked, why did you come back? Exactly. And that was my question. But I do want to interject something real quick. Um, So just a little recap. My son came to me a couple days after that and sat me down and said, Mom, I love you. I don't want you to die. Will you go to rehab? And I had never felt so broken in my entire life. And the fact that my son came to me and said that, something clicked in my head. I said, okay, I'll go. So I did. Got sober. Started a new life. But we'll go back to the question, why was I brought back? I'm told I'm like Lazarus of the Bible, right? That story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody asked, did I meet JC? Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I did speak with JC. I continue to speak with him. But I also speak with a lot of other archangels um, and guides that I have of my own. Now, I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but we have an angel. We have a guardian that is there with us on the day of our birth. And that guardian watches us entire lives and tries to steer us in the right direction. (laughs) But being human, we mess up. And uh, anyway, I just want everybody to know that if they, whenever they think they're alone, they are truly never alone. I say that every day. Mm. So sometimes you don't realize why in the moment that you're brought back I was talking with another friend of mine. I said, you know, sometimes it's shown to me now right before. Sometimes it's shown to me months in advance. Or sometimes it's shown me in the moment. And I have some really cool uh, stories about that in particular. Because uh, since my death experience, um, I try to tell people, If you knew what's on the other side, you would have no fear. And that's the other question people ask me. Do you know you were dead? And I say, they say, did you feel any pain? Did you, you know, I'm like, no, I didn't feel anything. I didn't know I was dead. I didn't know that I had physically left my body, like my soul or other people call it their energy, whatever you call what makes you you was no longer in the physical body. Um, but uh, so do you have a question? Do you have any questions? Yeah, like, I do. Let, let, me try, let me see if I can recap it for me. It sounds like you were, you were driving and then you, you know, you had your last words, you blacked out. And then while you were blacked out, you crashed the car 
the next time you were conscious, you were outside of your body walking around and you came to a guardrail or a fence, you were going to cross somewhere, maybe I cross was- over to the to the land where you can't come back. And your grandfather said, no, don't do that. Am I correct? Pretty much in a nutshell. All right. And then you kind of saw your body and then you kind of came back. You saw the paramedic and then you were back in the hospital, basically. Right. Now, when did you start seeing Jesus and other beings? Well, I actually had interactions prior to my NDE. And I tried to explain to people why my perceptions on religion are the way that they are. But um, I grew up very Roman Catholic, very Roman Catholic. Um, And then my dad had what he called his white light experience. He didn't have a near-death experience, but he said that God came to him. But my dad was a bit of, um, he was very zealous, for lack of a better word. And he began to search for a more Christian way of living. And in that search, he came across a community in Maryland called Mother of God Community. And uh, I was 15 at the time. And so... When we moved there, I had this vision that we were going to live in the mountains and shave our heads, you know, a Mm. commune, a community. Right. And uh, I was shocked at how well put together the people were. It was in a beautiful area. But I did, you know, at 15, I was able to see through a lot of things that I think other people uh, don't see or feel around them. And... I told my parents about a month in, I said, how can you not see what this is? And they looked at me puzzled and I said, this is a full-blown cult. You're raising your family in a cult. So for me, yes, I have PTSD trigger moments where the just saying God sometimes will trigger me into that because of my experiences. But I always stood firm in what I believed and what I thought. And I never swayed from that. And that got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, uh, your question again? Well, I was just first wanting to know, when did you start contacting Jesus, your guardian angel, okay. angels? Yes. So my mother-in-law, I love that woman. She passed many, many years ago. And uh, I was married to her son, and he was a very bad alcoholic. And I was in the middle of divorcing him. And I was driving down the road one day in my car. And all of a sudden, I heard her voice. And it was as if she was sitting in the seat next to me. So much so, it was so real that my head spun to the passenger seat. And what I heard her say was, I need you to do something for me. And this goes back to your question of, do we know why we are here, number one, to begin with? And do you recognize things when you're in the right place? So I, of course, am shocked. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to something in my car that sounds like my mother-in-law. And I said, I just was like, what? 
And she goes, I need you to take care of Mike. And I said to that woman, woman, I divorced him. I left him. No, I'm not. My time of taking care of him is over. And then she was gone. Um, but I know why, in hindsight, she asked me to do that. And those were the times that I intervened on my children's behalf. When my children would call me and say, I can't deal with him. And the one time I know he was in an overdose and I called 911. So, though, you know, in hindsight, I see that's what she was talking about. Not for me to go and take care of him all the time like I did before, but to intervene in those moments when my children could no longer handle dealing with him. And I know for daggone sure that my mother-in-law sent me the day that I went down to his attorney's and he was in a full-blown overdose and fell down the stairs. So that was my first interaction with what I call someone on the other side of the veil. Right. My um, second interaction was uh, with my grandson. Um, And this is another reason I know I was brought back. I was to be there when all of this story I'm about to tell you was taking place. So my son and his wife did in vitro and they got pregnant. He called me uh, while she was in her going into her second trimester and said, Amy and I have been talking and would you come and take care of Lachlan after he's born? Because we don't want to put him in childcare. And I was like, absolutely. I didn't have anything to hold me where I was. So I up and left Florida and I went to Minnesota. And about two weeks after I got there, she had her ultrasound. And we discovered that he was terminally sick. So to see your child break down and be able to do nothing. That was probably the most difficult thing I ever experienced. So anyway, um, he had something called heterotaxy syndrome, and uh, it affects one in every million babies, and they have horrible heart defects. Their organs are generally reversed, so his heart was to the right, not to the left. His, everything was just, it looked like everything was scrambled. But anyway, he had three open hearts before he was three months old and um, numerous procedures. Towards the end, he was fully intubated. He was on uh, dialysis and he just had tubes coming out of every part of his body. And I went to go visit. It was just, he was about five months old. And I went to go visit with him and I sat and I was talking to him. And I just would say, your six loves you so much. And he was looking at me so intently that day. And I said to him, are you trying to tell me something? And all of a sudden I heard a voice and he said, Sooks, I'm in so much pain. And I said a prayer. 
a prayer for mercy. <laughs> that he would be taken swiftly and soon. It's too much. So that was my second encounter. And he was still here. He was still with us when he told me this. And that was him telling me that he was getting ready to go. Um, and I had to forgive myself for saying the prayer that I said. But he lets me know all the time it was okay. He just told me what was going to happen. And two weeks later, he died. And uh, it was a choice that my son and his wife had to make. They said, we have to do a procedure, but there's a 99% chance he won't make it off the operating table. So you can either hold him while we take all of his tubes out. And what? Sorry. Um, so they did. And I got there about 10 minutes because they lived in Duluth and they were in Minneapolis. And I drove out there every weekend. Um, and I got there after he passed. But um, he's let me know he's with me. <laughs> So his nickname was the Loch Ness Monster. Mm. And his name Lachlan means many lakes. Mm. And that's Minnesota. So about a year after his passing, he would be five now. So about four years ago. And this was after my near-death experience. Um, his memorial... They do a memorial every year, and it was coming up, and I wasn't going to be able to make it to get there. And so um, I opened Facebook that morning, and we had had a T-shirt fundraiser and sweatshirt fundraiser, and I hadn't seen one of those sweatshirts in over a year. And uh, just so happened my girlfriend's son was wearing his that day, but the there was a girl standing next to him and she had on a t-shirt and her hair was covering part of the t-shirt. But what wasn't covered were these letters D U N and below it C R Y don't cry. Love Lachlan. So I know he's always with me. You know, people think that when people are gone, they're just gone. They're not. So that was just one of the reasons I was brought back. And then I, um, when I was living in Fort Myers a couple of years ago, and uh, I wrote, in my journal one day, I see myself living on an island in the sun. And I get a call from my landlord. And within 24 hours of writing that, I was on my way to that island. Mm-hmm. And when I got here, now mind you, okay, so if we want to go into like 
before I understood why I came back. I, I went to priests. I went to rabbis. I went to holy people. I went to whoever I could to try to explain to me what happened to me. Why am I still here? And above all, why do I have special gifts now? So I got some interesting answers. And there was one priest in particular that I still won't forget. I ended up at his church parking lot by accident. I was angry one day. And I go in this parking lot. And uh, I go in and I ask for the priest. They bring this guy out. And I said, Father, I need to talk. I'm having a crisis of faith. So he brings me into his office, and we get to chit-chatting. And I told him I died. I came back. I'm Lazarus. Yeah, you know. And uh, he couldn't look at me the whole time we were talking. He just He wouldn't look at me. I had his head down the whole time as he's listening to my story. And I said, but what I would really like to know is why when I came back, did I all of a sudden get these abilities that I can't explain? And he asked me, like, what? I said, I see dead people. I see ghosts. I see people who have passed on. Um, I get visions. I had a vision of the Notre Dame Cathedral the night that it happened, because I don't watch the news. I had a vision of that, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But anyway, um, when I began to tell him about the ability and the visions, I said, nobody believes me. And that's when he looked up at me, and he said, I do believe that people have these abilities. And uh, as he said that, a blue orb just appeared behind his left shoulder. And I, I don't know what happened. I just, I said, somebody's here. And that's when he shot his head back up and he looked at me and he said, will you pray for me? And now, mind you, at this time, I'm not a praying person. I still didn't pray. And I, I felt the presence and energy of another person. And it almost felt as if they literally spoke through my mouth because it wasn't my voice that came out. And it was certainly not something that I would have said. And I looked at him and I said, I pray for you every day. And he began to weep. That was my interaction with him. That was just weird. But I will say, the weirdest. After my near-death experience, um, I and I started seeing goats, and I started hearing other people's thoughts and things like that, I thought I was going crazy. And uh, I ended up leaving Florida with no money. Um, 
and I went all the way to New Jersey, which leads me into one of those aha moments when it was happening. Um, I didn't understand any of what was going on with me. I thought I was crazy. I went to go stay with some extended family and, um, I ended up staying with my cousin and his wife. And then I found out that his wife was like me. She could hear things. She could see things. And she was what I called my first guide here to explain some of it to me. And to real and to understand that I wasn't crazy. Um but in turn, I ended up taking care of her father. And her father was in early Alzheimer's, but he still had his wits about him. He was an attorney for 50 years. And he was just a smart man, and he was loving. And so I became his caretaker in exchange for a place to live. And then they gave me a stipend, so it all worked out. But he had this delusion, and this delusion went like this. He said he had three layers on his head. And he had to rub through them. Under those three layers was a string. And he had to get that string out. And when he would feel that he had the string out, he would hold it over water and it would disappear. So it was an obsession. I mean, he would do it for hours. And he was raw and he was bleeding. He had scabs. And so anyway, the doctors decided to try him on a new medication. And within five days, five days, it catapulted him into dementia. He was angry. He was screaming. He was nasty. So I called my cousin and I said, get him off this. I don't know why they're giving it to him. If it's for what the delusion, it's not working. And you're going to lose him a lot sooner if you keep him on it. So they took him off it. Within two weeks, he was back to normal. Well, Then I got to thinking about the delusion. And I'm like, well, why can't the doctors diagnose this? Why can't they come up with a name for it? They're just thinking that it's because of the Alzheimer's, right? It's part of the Alzheimer's. And I'm like, I don't feel that it is. So, you know, when they say God answers you in mysterious ways, it's mysterious. (laughs) Because I'm on Facebook the next day after I asked that question. And, um... The topic on this one page was cures for diseases. And so my eyes immediately went down. I didn't even read any anything. It just zoomed down to somebody making a statement about, well, what about Morgellons? And I'm like, I've never heard of that. So I clicked on the link and it took me to YouTube. Well, guess what it was? His delusion. The three layers, the string. So it's actually classified as a disorder. And it was not because of the Alzheimer's, but the Alzheimer's kind of kicked it into overdrive. So now we had a diagnosis. Well, who really truly ever figures that out? When you've got top doctors looking at him, he was a vet. He's going to see, you know, uh, that doctor. So I all of a sudden realized in that moment, because I saw my girlfriend's mother's face, 
And I said, this is why you brought me here. It was to buy him more time with his family in a lucid way. That was my aha moment. I said, this is why. Because believe me, I didn't want to be in New Jersey. It was cold. <laughs> um, but again, we'll go back to, do you know why you're brought back? Sometimes you're shown before, sometimes in the moment. I mean, I could tell you a million reasons why I was brought back. Um, uh, my daughter, she was diagnosed in January with Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage four. And I was supposed to be here for this. I was supposed to be here for her wedding. I was supposed to be here for all the events that I've been here for. See, that's when people say, what is the purpose? What is their purpose? Your purpose in life is to experience life with all the good, all the bad, and find the balance between the two. Because based on experiences that each individual has in this life, it can lead us down a couple different ways. One being depression. I mean, there's so many, but I would have to say more. One would be hate, hating life, hating your existence, hating you can go down that road or you can sit and say, you know, every day is a gift. That's why it's called the present, <laughs> an old joke, but every day is a gift. And I'll tell you who comes to me a lot. And this is a weird one. Robin Williams. He was a genius. He was a comic genius and he was an empath. He was someone who could feel the pain of others, so much so that I hear him say every day, carpe diem, carpe diem, because you're not promised tomorrow. So the old saying of never let the sun go down on an argument holds true, because what you have to realize is if that were to happen, say with your spouse, you got into a huge argument. And say one of you had a massive heart attack in the middle of the night died. That person's going to live with the last memory. Because unfortunately, we tend to go down the negative memory path. Whereas since my NDE, I try to every time look at the beautiful moments that I've had in my life. See the beauty in everything. I mean perceptions change. Everything is beautiful now. I don't look at people the same way I did. Um, I don't act the same way that I did. I, this is quite funny because if you talk to other end of years, they might just say this, but I almost feel like I didn't come back as myself. And then the question would be, well, who did you come back as? <laughs> and I say, well, Maybe I came back as my future self with the wisdom. Maybe I was shown all these things and I had to come back a different person because that old person was really kind of crappy. 
wasn't very nice most of the time. Tried to be. Sorry, that was my battery. Oh, okay. my, but, um, you know, the moments when you realize that you were brought back, uh, I will say this. So you asked me about, did I see a white light? Did I see angels? What did I see? So after I died, again, when I was in New Jersey taking care of my cousin's father, um, I was sitting outside one night and uh, I happened to notice this light on the house across the street and that it was blue. And I thought that was really weird. I'm like, well, most porch lights are like incandescent yellow or white, you know? And I just began looking at this thing and I, I'm just like, that's weird. It's weird. All of a sudden, this blue light began to undulate and do this. And I'm looking at it going, no, mind you, I don't drink. So this is not, I don't drink alcohol at all. Never have. And I'm looking at it. I'm going, what am I seeing? And as I ask that, this light begins to get bigger. And then all of a sudden there's like this little tiny white light right in the center of this blue light. All of a sudden that white light begins to open up just a little bit. And as it begins to open, the blue light got bigger. And then I saw what I describe as fractal light. It was just light shooting. It, just shooting out from the perimeter. I drew a picture of it. The following day, I drew a picture of my experience because I could not believe what had happened. And uh, in the center of this white light, it had gotten larger. And all of a sudden, I saw the top half of what I call a white beam. And I'm rubbing my eyes. I'm like, I'm not seeing this. This is not real. But of course it's real because I'm fully awake. Then the center light got bigger and it opened up. I distinctly saw one tall white, if you want to call it an angel, if you want to call it a being, whatever you want to call it. And then I saw two behind him in the background. Um, and then the next thing I know, this entity, I'll call it an entity, began to glide towards me. Didn't walk. Wasn't walking. It was gliding. And as, now mind you, what I'm seeing is literally across the street but it seems like it's miles away. If that makes any sense to anybody. Um, this entity begins gliding towards me and extends its right hand as if to introduce itself. And I'm like, it's going on. And then something clicked in me that brought me back to a memory as a child. And I went into fear. I all of a sudden got very, very scared. I've never felt such fear in my whole life. Gotta say that. I, uh, 
I ran into my house. I locked all the windows. I locked all the doors. I turned on all the lights. I ran into my room. I shut the door. I put on my earbuds and I put on meditation music and I was trying to meditate out of the fear and I couldn't because whoever these, whoever it was, I could hear outside of my bedroom door walking. And all I kept saying, because I was so scared, my heart rate was crazy. And I just kept repeating, go away, go away, go away, go away. So I have ideas about what that was, but I don't put that out as of yet because that's a subject that most people don't go to. Um, But yes, I have had uh, experiences. Another one where I had somebody that passed came to me. Um, My boyfriend's roommate had cancer and she didn't like me much, but I tried to be very nice to her. And um, for whatever reason, she just didn't care for me. And I had to accept that. But what she didn't know was what I was doing behind the scenes. And I was looking for wigs for her. I was looking for pretty scarves. I was because she had cancer and she lost her hairs. And I was a hairdresser for 30 years. So I know how traumatic that is for a woman, you know, even a man, but more so a woman, honestly. And um, a couple nights before she passed, um, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was standing next to her hospital bed. And I was just looking at her. And then all of a sudden, I saw her husband in his full army suit. They were, I'm sorry, they were Marines. So he was in his Marine Corps uniform. And it was like I had gone from standing next to her bed to standing like in the back of the room. And then he was standing there looking at her and then all of a sudden he's gone. And then I see her in her hospital gown standing at the end of her bed, looking at her body. And I just remember saying something to her. It's okay. You can go now. I got a call the next morning and well, before the call came, I woke up that morning and I said, so she's going to go very soon. And then the next thing I knew, I saw her face. It was like as if she was like literally right here in front of my face and she was beaming and she was smiling and she was happy and she wanted me to know. But the reason she wanted me to know and specifically was she said sorry to me for not understanding my intent. And that all I wanted to do was help. So, anyway, I saw her face. She was smiling. And then the next thing I saw was her standing with her husband. And he was in his Marine Corps uniform, and she was in her wedding gown. And they were holding hands. And they were way together. 
And I just thought, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And most people would say, but you didn't see it. <laughs> and I would say, oh, yes, I did. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of friends since I moved to the island. Um, I've had some pass away. And I, uh, when I moved here, I, I went to a priest. I was telling you that story. And this priest invited me in. And he was retired. And we sat and we talked. And I told him what happened to me. And he looks at me and goes, we didn't meet for no reason. Two days later, I moved in as his caretaker. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we hold priests in high regard, right? But we have to remember that they were men before they were priests. And he shared something very uh and he shared it with everybody. He didn't keep it a secret, but he had fallen in love with a woman in his congregation. And, um, you know, some might freak out on this, but they had a longstanding love affair and it wasn't all, I mean, it wasn't the physical aspect. He told me, he goes, she got me up here. She got me in my mind. And that made her beautiful to me. And, uh, he says, but I'm okay with God about that. You know, he goes, as a priest, I'll tell you this. I don't believe that man was ever created to live alone. Hmm. He created man and woman. Well, who came in and said that priests had to be celibate? The church, man. So anyway, he... um he ended up, I, I was with him for 18 months, taking care of him. And he got very sick. He ended up having COVID. And he passed away in the hospital. And, you know, when they say, how do you know when your loved ones let you know that they're there? I said, you'll know. You'll know. So I had this con would feed the in the morning, yelled at by the association, stop feeding the crows, you're bringing rats and, you know, because we live in an island. So anyway, I went to go visit his grave one day and um, I was just missing him. Um, he was a pain in my ass, but I loved him. And I said, Al, sorry, my phone went out. I got to go plug my phone. I said, Al, I want to know you're with me and I want to know right now, you give me a sign. Well, darned if this crow doesn't fly up right in front of me, above me, with a feather, probably eight inches long. That bird dropped that feather, and it landed at my feet. Now, you tell me, was Al there letting me know? Mm -hmm. Of course he was. Can you tell us about when you encountered Jesus? So, oh, this is a very touchy subject. Very, very touchy for those that oh, I got to get my car for those that adhere to the Bible. Um, I don't usually go there, but the main message, hold on one second. Let me grab my uh, keys and put my charger in. Hold on one second. Okay. So, my encounter with JC, I see JC a lot right now. 
he'll come to me a lot of times when I'm sad, but I do want to share this one experience. This I have to share before the JC experience. Um, if you could hold on, let me bring my notes real quick so I can keep doing that. So when I discovered that I had these weird abilities, um, it caused a rift between my children and myself, and they kept saying that I was schizophrenic. And uh, anyway, um, I was home one night, and I was crying. I was really sad. I missed my children. I missed my grandbabies. And uh, I was sobbing. I was literally in fetal position, just sobbing. And all of a sudden, and I cry every time I tell this story. I saw what was, all I can describe it as was a ball of glitter. It was just like, Everything I saw was just this beautiful, iridescent, beautiful pinks and blues and just looking at white glitter. And all of a sudden, a face took form in the glitter. So there were eyes and nose and a mouth. I didn't know who it was. And the next thing I knew, this person took their hand and they cupped my cheek where my tears were falling. And she said, with her hand closed, she took it away from my face. And she said, these are counted. These are counted. And she opened her hand and they were blue diamonds. All my tears had turned to blue diamonds. But the feeling that I got was one I had never felt before. And that was just a pure love. Just pure love. In that moment, I felt calm. I felt peaceful. And I was told, it's all going to be okay. And she's come to me numerous times since then. Because when I get sad and I begin to think about the rift between people, I look at humanity and I, I'll never forget this. I was in New Jersey again at my cousin's house and it just so happened everybody was gone that night. I was the only one in the house. And I was standing in the middle of her kitchen, and all of a sudden, it was like I felt the pain of the entire world. It was like I could feel each individual mother's pain, father's pain, and it crumpled me so into a heap. I sobbed on the floor, and I begged for mercy I beg for mercy on mankind. 
and all these things. You know, fortunately, a lot of people like myself are diagnosed with schizophrenia. We're diagnosed with bipolar. We're diagnosed with manic depression. But what they don't realize is we were meant to feel all of these things. You know, it's easy to shut your heart down. It's much harder to open it back up. And if you can get to a point where your heart is always open and all you do is send love to people, situations, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I've had my arguments with God too, where I'm having my Lieutenant Dan moment. If you remember Forrest Gump, when Lieutenant Dan's got no faith, no hope, then he gets up on that mast and he says to God, you show up. If you're real, you show up. He showed up in the form of a hurricane. (laughs) So... There's just a lot of, you know, the more questions I ask, the more questions I have. When they say, you would never want to be God, that's very true. Because that moment I was talking about where I felt the pain of the entire universe, that was God saying to me, This is what I have to deal with. So the one thing that God reminds me of every day, and I say God because that's what people are used to. The way I describe God, if you break it down into letters, is G-O-D, good orderly direction. You do the next right thing. You live your life with integrity as best you can, because we are all human. (laughs) But um, through all of these, and again, there are so many more encounters that I've had that would be inexplicable. Absolutely inexplicable. I believe I have pictures of um, that same angel guide that came to me in New Jersey. And this was in Florida. I happened to notice something on a fence one day. I said, that's really weird. Well, I took pictures of them. I looked for every possible way to get a reflection off of a window, off of a lamp, off of lawn furniture. And it was that same angel in the middle of that circle that came back that day. JC is very misunderstood. And if I delve into that, you're going to have all sorts of comments. Because JC wasn't who people think he was. And if you go back to some of the scriptures, 
where he flat out says, do not follow me. Jesus was what we called an ascended master. Um, And for people who don't believe in reincarnation, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but we reincarnate. Um, And that generally happens when you haven't learned your life lessons. So when they say that there's a book that logs everything that you do, there's a book that logs everything that you do. And it's not to cast people into fear. It's more so to get people to wake up to being a better person. And also, for those who are afraid of dying, there is no judgment. The only person that judges you is you. People talk about the life review, right? When you go to see St. Peter at the Pearly Gates, well... Your life review happens in this life. That's why we have the emotions we have. That's why we have guilt over things that we do that we know weren't right. That is our own self judging. No one else. No one else. When you come across someone that you find something irritating about, you need to look at that and say, well, what are what's reflecting from myself that I find so irritating in this person because it's something within you. So Christ consciousness. I had a very odd experience one day. I was doubting a relationship I had and um, I was thinking about leaving that relationship and I cared for this person. And as I was sitting with him one day, I looked at him and all of a sudden I was shown the heart of Christ in the middle of his chest. The one with the thorns and the crown and the flames. And that was God showing me who he was in his spirit. Despite some of the things that he said or did or whatever. um, He came from love. And that love was projected towards me as well. And that literally turned me around a little bit. Um, so I stayed. And then there was another time I, I was meditating one day. And, and I said, you know, how do I know if this person is right for me? And I distinctly heard somebody say to me, When you want to find out if that's the person you're supposed to be with, all you have to do is think about blue glass and butterflies. And I thought, well, that's really weird. (laughs) Blue glass and butterflies. So again, one day I'm sitting outside and I'm questioning my uh, relationship. And I distinctly heard blue glass and butterflies. And I looked up at the sky and it was the most beautiful blue. And then I looked above his head and I saw a butterfly flying, just hovering there in one spot above his head. So this is what I say to all the people. We have angels. We have guardians. We have people who love us. And they will get your attention in many different ways. But the thing is, And you can ask for help. 
or you can think about it, but if you don't ask, they can't help. So every morning when I wake up, I do this meditation and I ask for four major archangels to be to the north, south, east, and west of me. And then I ask for Metatron above me and Sandalphon below me. And they put me in a golden sphere of light and they protect me. I'm shown things. Okay. Stupid little thing, but I think it's quite funny. Um, I used to drive for a living. I did airport transportation and uh, I would, I would subtly hear uh, if I was speeding, I would hear slow down cop half a mile on the left um, radar. And I would slow down and sure enough, so again, when you ask your angels and your guides and your loved ones to come in and guide your footsteps every day, guide my footsteps so that I'm in the right place at the right moment at every moment of the day and lead me to the people that I'm supposed to be led to. Deter me from the people who would do me harm, whether it be physical, mental, or spiritual. And I ask that every day. And they do. They come in and help me. Um, well, Suki, I'm going to have to change directions with you because we're, yes. we're already over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stories. What direction would you like to go? Well, I just need to, um, before we go, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Like a website or anything that you would like oh. to um, well, this might get a little reaction too, but, um, if you want to promote myself, um, I, you know, I told you my, uh, email mm-hmm. and it's book cottage tarot. Now tarot sometimes scares people, but what I, and I never had this ability prior to my NDE, but, um, I call it a navigation system. If you're getting ready to make, you know, a big decision in work or whatever it's a guidance system and again the answers are given by their guides not me i'm just you know my life if you want to say if you could relate it to a movie i don't know if you've ever seen the movie phenomenon with john travolta Mm -hmm. you know the movie ghost um that's kind of what my life is like but in that, what I do is I, I'm grateful to be an empath. I'm grateful to be a medium to where I can help people. And that's another whole thing on how I, I just am amazed at how spirit works through me. And again, I'm going to say this. This gift is not mine. I'm just a, I'm just a conduit, if you want to say, somebody that our creator works through to help the people that they see fit that are close enough to me vicinity wise to help. Um, and they can go to my uh, Facebook page. It's Suki park S U K I P A R K. Um, but anyway, I was asked, this is, I'm going to real quick get to this. I was asked, after my NDE and after I became aware of my abilities, I was asked, and I don't know who I was asked by, what would you do with these that I give them to you? What's the best way you think you could use them? 
I said, well, I could find missing people. I've attempted to do that a number of times. I have got every city I've moved into. I, I've gone to the head of homicide. I, I've walked up to random police officers. I put it out there because, again, I'm given these. I have many friends who are like me. And so God asked me, what would you do with these? And I said, I know I can do this. I know I can help in that arena. So please put me in touch with the people that would believe. Believe that there is a guiding hand in this universe outside of ourselves. If people want to connect with you, they can do that on Facebook, right? They can do that on Facebook. Um, preferably private message me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not currently adding any friends right now. Um, but if they want to private message me, they can do that. It's all linked to Facebook. I had started a YouTube. Um, I probably will get back to doing that at some point. But right now I've got earthly things I'm trying to take care of and that's to find a place to live and, mm-hmm. um, just go to work every day like everybody else and mm-hmm. try to help people along the way. I have a very good friend who said to me one day, be a blessing everywhere you go. So that's what I try to do. All right. Before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? I love everybody. So I had somebody say to me one time, I don't even know you and I love you. And I'm going to quote Albert Einstein. He discovered, after being a scientist, the most powerful thing on the planet was not science. It was love. Because love is the only thing that can break you to your knees. And love is the only thing that can bring you the most joyous feeling possible ever. You know, I I wouldn't even know what to say positively other than It starts with you. And, okay. Be the light in the dark. Be the light in the dark when there is none. And through that, you will have amazing experiences and meet amazing people. Just love each other. Because... Again, I know this doesn't sound positive, but we only have this moment and live every moment like it's your last moment. Reminds me of Rose from Titanic. (laughs) She ended up leaving all the money and leaving everything else. And she said, I'm going to go do what I wanted to do. And really, that's what it's about. You know, live your life and enjoy it and um, be a blessing along the way and do no harm. And I'll say this. Remember that your thoughts... um, can be very powerful. So never wish anything on anybody that you wouldn't wish upon yourself. So, you know, just, I don't know. I know it's not like the greatest thing on the planet that I say that, but you, you kind of caught me off guard with that. I might have to get back to you and give you a better answer, but just love each other. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, Suki, thank you for those messages. And thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great evening. You the best.
always. So namaste to you because you do have a beautiful soul there, mister. Thank you. <laughs> and keep doing the good work. All right. Thank you. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.